Preseason week one is here. Family night is in the books. We're talking depth chart. Aaron Rodgers, the white whale of one of the internet's most popular podcasts, finally gets caught. We've got a ton to get to on this week's edition of The Final Dump. Brendan Drozinski, Matt Fralick, coming your way. News dump. News dump. Yay. News dump. I mean, that's kind of a loaded question. It's a landslide. It's the final dump presented by Game On Wisconsin. Hello and welcome to the third edition of the 2022 season of the final dump. Brendan Dworzynski and Matt Freilich here with you. Extra intro on this edition of the show because we just have so much to get to today. We appreciate you joining us live on the Game on Wisconsin Facebook page, Twitter, YouTube, and listening to the podcast version as well. Matt, good to see you. A lot to get to this week. It is preseason week one. We are going to have quote-unquote real football this week, which is extremely exciting. Uh, first things first, did you get to catch much of Family Night this past Friday night? Dude, I did. I uh, I was kind of not the most adulty person I could have been moving into a new home. Very, very. <laughs> we we mailed it in on Friday post uh post work day, post work week. Set up the TV in the patio. Uh, lit up a go. cigar, had a seltzer or two, and I actually enjoyed Family Night quite a bit. Normally, I've been to Family Night once or twice. Um, not very entertaining to me. Watching on TV slightly better. Very fortunate those living in the broadcast area. But truly, I did watch it. There was a lot of good takeaways from that. I'm excited to chat with you about them. But a lot of the stuff was kind of validated. Number one being, uh, you know, Romeo Dobbs is an absolute dog. Like, can just get up and go get it. A couple crazy plays. Toure looked good. Jordan Love looked pretty solid. But overall, I enjoy, I enjoyed Family Night. Did you get any sort of uh, stream? Someone FaceTime you in? What, what were you able to get down in the, the KC area? Yeah, I was able to watch, you know, the the clips that popped on Twitter from the beat writers or from, you know, Packers Twitter who was there. Definitely watched all of those. Briefly checked in on some of the, uh, you know, the the live, I guess it's not Periscope anymore, but the live mm-hmm. streams that people were doing from the crowd at Lambeau. Followed those for a little bit, but I pretty much came away with the same takeaway. Everybody now loves our Mountain West King, Romeo Dobbs, which is great. That is wonderful. He continues to play well. Had a, a tough practice against Jair Alexander, the two of them making headlines on Monday of this week. Uh, Jordan Love looking pretty solid. That's good to know. And we're going to get to all of this over the course of the show today. We'll talk depth chart here in just a couple of minutes. We'll talk about the quarterback situation for the preseason, for the regular season, and going forward when it comes to one Jordan Love. We'll talk about the wide receivers. And of course, we'll get to that first preseason game coming up here in just a moment. But first things first, Matt, I wanted to get to one of the biggest pieces of sports media from this week and this Monday, and that is Aaron Rodgers, quarterback. You know, we know about his weekly appearances on the Pat McAfee show and Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays and that is sometimes newsworthy. Sometimes it's just a, a fun conversation for 45 minutes, but Rogers makes an appearance on Barstool Sports, pardon my take podcast this week. And I know that brand is obviously controversial to a lot of people that podcast wildly popular. I listened to it on Monday. I know you did as well. Any big takeaways for you from this conversation? It's Aaron Rodgers talking to a major football guy and a lifelong bears fan. So you knew there was going to be some sort of interesting content. I thought they did a pretty good job of balancing the, Hey, you love to take mushrooms on the beach and Hey, you're one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever live. I thought they did a pretty entertaining job of balancing that. 
Was there anything major you took away from his appearance on Pardon My Take Monday? And we are for the second week in a row, and I don't want to roast my guy too much, but for the second week in a row, uh, we have a, a minor technical difficulty. So, Matt, back in now. I will reframe the question to you because I know you've got a lot to say about it. Mm-hmm. Did you hear anything on Monday from Aaron Rodgers that really took you aback or surprised you or or anything related, maybe made you sad about the 2014 championship game again? And now, I love this. As a huge that 70 show fan we had to bring out the stupid helmet for this i love it it's just grit week and back to back back to back performances you know you go to the tape sometimes and you look and you just can't get it right you gotta you gotta if i if I had a chin strap it, it would be yanked up to here right now so ultimately i love the pmt performance it was fantastic it was a lot of defending himself not a lot of uh you know, love from as he normally gets from the boys on uh, the Pat McAfee show, whether he goes on whatever sort of entity, the podcast from last week as well. I thought it was hilarious. Him and Big Cat going back and forth quite often, just discussing uh, how much Big Cat loves and embraces Rogers' downfalls and treats him as his Super Bowl. Rogers always prepared for anything he does and like kind of lying that he didn't follow what they put out content wise, but ultimately like takes jabs throughout the entire thing. We're like, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. So at the end of the day, I thought it was absolutely great. It was a nice little balance from off the weekend. I'm really excited to get into um, also affiliated with Barstool Sports, Busting with the Boys, see what uh, Will Compton and Taylor Luan have in store for us. Cause they were at practice and uh, family night last week. So see with like Preston Smith, Robert Tunyon, some clips have been going pretty popular on, on social, but at the end of the day, it was good. It was entertaining. Um, just the back and forth to see that trifecta go has been awesome to see. And I think they probably all have been waiting for this opportunity to strike. I would think Dan Katz, Big Cat, more often than Aaron Rodgers or uh, PFT, but it was it was fantastic. And at this point, I don't know if I can do a show with this for the next 45 minutes. I'm taking it off, but it's next to me. In case something bad happens and it goes off the rails, we're going to put it back on. We're going to back in the Oklahoma drill. Hey, always ready with the gear. I appreciate that. No, I, th- I thought it was an entertaining interview. And again, I mean, if if you're a fan of that particular company and what they do, I'm sure you loved it. If you're not, maybe you never checked it out in the first place. But I thought it was a good mix of the serious and the funny and at one moment, the kind of awkwardly serious. But, you know, for, for the most part, I, I thought it was a good entertaining interview. And it's another chapter in, you know, it I'm not going to say that I have loved everything Aaron Rodgers has said over the last couple of years or all the ways that he's acted or the, you know, the personal choices he's made. But I do appreciate that in the last couple of years, he has been a lot more open with media members. And a lot of times it's on his own terms. You know, the, the McAfee show, his regular appearances there, it is very much an environment where he can control the narrative because we know he likes to do that. But this is one where maybe he wasn't quite as comfortable, like you said, and I appreciated it. It did hurt me to remember the 2014 NFC Championship game because that's one of the worst memories of my entire sports watching life. And I, I remember it vividly. I remember the onside kick. I remember sliding down instead of running the ball inside the 30 yard line after the last interception. I remember haha Clinton Dix botching the coverage and it ended up being a two point conversion for Seattle. That probably never should have happened. I mean, I remember all of those things, but it's kind of interesting to hear them from his perspective or for him to be able to perfectly recite the defense the Bears were running in week 17 of 2013 and knowing exactly what John Kuhn was doing when he came up and blocked Julius Peppers when he was the free rusher. I mean, it's 
he sees the game differently than than everybody else does. It, it truly is special. I mean, there's there's Brady. I think Peyton Manning's brain is probably the most incredible the NFL's ever seen, and Aaron Rodgers is right there with them. I mean, just getting to hear him talk about football even more than talking about whatever other weird things go on in his brain, I, I think is just such a such a great thing that we should cherish because he's talked before, man. He doesn't want to do you know media. He doesn't want to do color commentary when he's done. He wants to get out of football, and uh, it's something that I think again, as much as he can be weird. And I think that's fair to say there's a lot that you can gain just football wise listening to him. And I'm going to appreciate that as long as we can here. I absolutely agree. And I'm glad you mentioned all this because it actually jogged my memory quite a bit. Him talking specifically about the defenses, the the looks that uh, the bears were giving him in that game, knowing that those opportunities were going to come again when they blitz seven, they only could pick up six. And he's mentioned Evan Dietrich Smith. And I think it was TJ Lang, the way they kind of picked up two guys inside. That was really, really notable. Yeah, just the cognitive ability, the cerebralness, right? As they say, like knowing how many picks that Brian Urlach has had for him, I think it was three. He made it seem like he had maybe, you know, a dozen picks on him, but just the three alone he thought was really impressive. And just the names recognition, too, of guys like we're talking about like MD Jennings, I believe, or some other Jennings. I don't even remember who what Jawan Tim Jennings, Jennings, I believe. Tim Jennings, there you go. And like Chris Conti, obviously a notable one. Like he was just, ah, dude, it's just, it's just crazy how much he lives and breathes football. And again, just other ones. He was talking about what his favorite play was. It was a, a combination of a uh, like a play action boot, but he go the opposite way, kind of sling it out on a double move, triple move, maybe into Jordy Nelson down deep. Like I'm glad you brought that up because it definitely jogged my memory. Some stuff in there, but he his brain, his football brain is just unreal. But ultimately, too discussed in there, like hey, some people talk about this like absolute grind that is the NFL. It's really not like that. We know what our busy days are. Like no one's like getting in at five thirty in the morning, staying till. 11 o'clock at night and, you know, sleeping in a cot. Like that's not, that's not the life of a established veteran football player. Now maybe that should be the grind of a young guy trying to get a second contract undrafted dude, a, a coach, even for that matter. Cause we know the toll they take, but um, it was pretty good. So I would highly recommend just go and find that clip somewhere and just listen to it. It was fantastic. Especially if you're a fan of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, because you are obviously if you're listening to this or watching this. No, that's true. The The point you made, and it was right at the end of the interview, if I remember correctly, about the grind. And hey, it, it's a grind, but it's also, you know, it's a habit and it's not quite, you know, grinding all the way deep into the night. It's it's not like the college football grind. You hear about college coaches who are working 23 hours a day or, or some ungodly thing. It's not quite like that in the NFL. And I thought that was refreshing in a way to hear. The other thing, too, is I loved hearing him talk about destroying the Bears because I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. I knew my exact way how to get downtown from my house in lovely LaGrange Park, Illinois, down to Soldier Field and the lakefront. And I grew up in a house of Bears fans. My dad's been a Bears fan since he was born in the in 1955. You know, I, I remember all of that stuff growing up and still the trash talk between the two of us. And I enjoyed getting to hear about the player's perspective on beating the Bears. That's a lot of fun because as a fan growing up in that household, I also loved beating the Bears. So uh, that that was a really enjoyable part. But if you missed the interview, go check it out. You can find PNT absolutely anywhere. Uh, listen to us, obviously, and the other Game on Wisconsin podcast for all your Packers needs. But for this one particular Aaron Rodgers podcast, it's absolutely worth it. So Matt, from the interview and the past and talking about Ayahuasca and the various other Aaron Rodgers things that go on in any given week. Let's get to the first depth chart of the preseason. Mm -hmm. It came out on Monday, and we know this is nothing especially serious. It's the Packers PR team that puts this together. We know Aaron Rodgers is QB1. There's no debate about that at this point. But while you can't take 
a lot of things from this because, again, it's not like Matt LaFleur is sitting in his office late on Sunday night pouring over the fine details of his first depth chart. But is there anything that really stood out to you as intriguing or maybe especially not notable from this first depth chart? I think intrigue. I mean, so notable quickly is just like there's injuries on here. Like there's no there's guys that are injured are not on this list. Mason Crosby, not on the list. Let's just like get out in front of all of that. So no David Bakhtiaris, no Elton Jenkins, obviously no Christian Watson. So like the list can go on and on and on. So just, you know, asterisk this. Let's not get crazy. I think the most notable is just the offensive line. Um, you go across the board there, specifically the one that jumped out at me was like Jake Hansen at right guard. And I understand he's gotten reps there the last couple of weeks, but truly just, you know, he was a primary center at Oregon. Like that's why he was brought in. He had 40 plus starts, like 46, 48 starts, something like that in his days that well, the ducks in the pack 12. And I just, th- this is the one that really shocks me because you got Runyon in there. You got Myers in there. You got Jake Hansen in there. You got Newman in there and Yash is on the left side. He's the vet. Like that's, it's a little concerning. Now, as we get through the rest of camp, I think some things will shake out. And especially if you go to the second tier on that, that's also strange. Um, and just, you know, Zach Tom's been getting reps at right tackle, but it looks like Royce Newman's a starter right now. I think just offensive line, which has been one of the the, the bugaboos or the, uh, you know, I guess, the how, how are they going to progress through the training camp and into the preseason? How are the Packers going to figure it out with that offensive line? Because to be able to do what they want to do this year, uh, get away from throwing the ball as much, running the ball a ton, which seems very obvious at this point. They're going to need to have a good offensive line. So hopefully this five, they feel confident if they have to roll with them week one of the regular season. But we do get a real preseason game this week to see a combination of all these dudes and all these guys that are backups and third string guys, et cetera. But outside of that, no. I mean, the defense looks damn near exactly how I would want it. I think there might be, if I had to pick, like maybe one change. But even that, it was like, we're talking like the third safety. Like the third safety, I think it was like Sean Davis. A lot of people were talking about Vernon Scott and Enos Gaines are in there. So like not that huge of a deal. But overall, no surprises other than it's like, oh, yeah, Matt, don't forget injuries are not included. So, duh, it's the current depth chart in the offensive line. Yeah, I think the offensive line to me, at least among the offensive positions, is what stood out. I mean, we'll talk about wide receivers a little bit later in the show, but that – You know, the wide receiver depth chart wasn't really a surprise and I don't think really means a whole lot at this point. We obviously know about the quarterback. We know about the running back situation. If you wanted to take something from Tyler Goodson, who's been a real camp standout at running back so far, being ahead of Patrick Taylor, who was around last year. Okay, fine. I still think Kylan Hill makes the team over both of them once he gets activated off the pup list, which granted might not be until the season starts since his injury did come a little bit later into 2021. But it's that offensive line rotation. And I know I saw a lot of Packers Twitter discussing the offensive line on Monday and really throughout training camp so far. That's going to be the group to watch. I would not be surprised once we get into the year, given the fact that We don't exactly know the situation with Bakhtiari. We don't exactly know the situation with Elkton Jenkins, even though both were in the rehab group on Monday this week, which is something. It's better than not being in person at all or not working out at all. I guess that is some kind of plus. To me, you mentioned the defensive line. I think that, or the defense as a whole, it pretty much looks exactly like you would expect. Seeing the defensive line, and we talked about that a lot last week, really in print in words made it that much more real to me that holy crap this group might be legitimately good if your top five is Kenny Clark Jaron Reed Dean Lowry Devontae Wyatt the rookie and then TJ Slayton I'm feeling pretty good about that group I I love that group a whole lot so 
I'm all in with what the defense looks like. Linebacker, I think we pretty much expected what that would look like. Campbell and Walker as your two starters. The rookie, Koi Walker, already up there. Defensive backs, we already know about that group. The thing that interested me, and you know how much we love to talk about special teams on the final dump, you look at a couple of these estimated starters in the special teams group. Jack Coco at long snapper over Steven Wirtel. I'm not surprised. I don't really know why Wirtel is even, I mean, you need competition at camp. I do not think he even sniffs the final 53 for this team, especially after the disaster that was long snapping in the second half of last season. The other name that really stands out though, one, Amari Rogers at punt returner still. Uh, okay, we'll we'll see how it goes. I'm sure that's just going to be a hot hand thing all year. I'm sure it's just going to be, hey, if you can catch a punt and not lose yardage, you are going to be in that role until you no longer can fulfill that role. So whatever. But Rico Gafford, the speedster at kicker turner number one. Again, it's just an estimation. I know the opening depth chart really doesn't mean anything. It won't mean anything until we get to week one of the regular season. We've heard a lot of Rico Gafford's name, though, Matt, from reporters and and fans who have been at training camp so far. And I think that's a name to keep an eye on. And look, at this point, if you're Rich Bisaccia, you will take anything that will get you some positive returns in the kicking game. And if that's trusting Rico Gafford to just turn on the Jets and get you anything on returns, I'll take it. But that's the area, honestly, that stood out the most to me is special teams, because that's going to be such an area that needs attention over the course of this year. And You've got Coco as your long snapper. You've got Gafford possibly as kick returner one. That's something to keep an eye on throughout camp because those are two positions, I'm sure, that are going to get plenty of scrutiny over the next couple of years or next couple of years, over the next couple of weeks as we gear up for this regular season, uh, seeing who is going to fit in those roles because they're going to be as scrutinized as anyone over the next few weeks through training camp. Hell yeah. I, the Rico Gafford one, It's it's. I love when my Madden world – video game Madden world and <laughs> Packers slash NFL actually aligns. Cause sometimes it's not like that, but if you're a Madden head, you know, Rico Gafford was nasty in Madden the last couple of years. Like whether you're playing mutt salary cap, fantasy draft or franchise draft, whatever, like Rico Gafford's an absolute speedster. And when they converted him to defensive back, I'm like, eh, that's not, not a bad idea. Like you can't, you can't teach speed. Like let's, let's see what he can do there. And he's been doing pretty damn well being the number one kick returner is kind of bizarre. I don't know in his previous roles. I want to say it was with the Raiders and one other team, like if he did that all that often. Uh, but at the end of the day, I know that 96, 97 speed in Madden converts pretty well, even if you're uh, you know, wide open, you're going to catch the ball regardless. So that was definitely interesting. And I think you mentioned it too with Wordle. Like there was a lot of, um, I, think, I think I saw some tweets on Saturday night and definitely, what did that be? Friday night, Saturday morning, just talking about why is there even two guys on the roster at long snapper right now? It's, it's, it's Coco's job, no doubt. Wordle's been absolutely atrocious. Didn't look good in the end of the family night either. So um, notable as well. And I, I like uh, how we had, let's see, Iowa Joe in here. I want to pull his little dealio here. Tyler Goodson for the win. Now, I am a big Tyler Goodson fan just because you talk about, you know, we would never use the word in a derogatory fashion, Brendan, degenerate on final dump. But as a as maybe one that would have friends that are degenerates and watch a 11 o'clock, I don't know, Iowa v. Rutgers Big Ten game. Tyler Goodson was someone that popped off the screen for me. And the fact that he went undrafted was substantial. And I'm very, very excited to see what he can do and make the roster. And he's got an opportunity right now, like you said, with Kylan Hill out, taking some reps away from Patrick Taylor. And I think at the end of the day, like he's got an absolutely viable option to make this roster, especially with how much they're going to run the damn ball. Um, But overall, nothing too concerning. Defense is copacetic, special teams, 
a little concerning, I, w- I will admit. I mean, without Mason Crosby on, that's all basically brand new names that are going to be your starters at those special team spots. And you have a new coach. So, like, how quick is that going to sync up when they play their defense, as they've been calling it? So, we'll see what happens. But right now, I think the, the preseason is going to be a, a perfect time to find 11 guys that can play special teams for you. Yeah, and I, I'll split the difference here, and I'll be in total fairness. I'm going to ride with Kylan Hill. Kylan's been my guy. You remember that from last year. I was all aboard the Kylan Hill train. While he is on the pup, Tyler Goodson's next up. He, he has sounded like he's been great at camp. He was a really, really good player for Iowa. So uh, I'll, I'll agree with our guy, Iowa Joe, here. I'll, I'll say as long as Kylan's not in the picture, and we have no idea when he might be in the picture again, uh, I'll, I'll ride with Tyler Goodson. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Now, with the preseason coming up and this depth chart, may indicate some of what we'll see at least in the start of the preseason again San Francisco might not it's it's really hard to know one guy who we know we're not going to see this year at least at the start of the preseason is going to be Aaron Rodgers and I think that brings up a really interesting question because we know it and Matt LaFleur said this week that hey Jordan Love is going to be the starter in the preseason opener against San Francisco frankly I'd like to see Jordan Love take every snap of this game against San Francisco and we'll talk more about J-Lo coming up in a little bit and we still don't know exactly what Rogers role is going to be this preseason we're going to have joint practices in a couple of weeks uh, against the Saints for the Packers Rogers hasn't played in a couple of preseasons now and I think there's definitely an argument Matt that hey he doesn't need to take any snaps because he's Aaron freaking Rogers. Why would he need to get out there and be taking extra snaps? At the same time, we've got a much different wide receiver room. Yes, Lazard is back. Yes, Randall Cobb is back. Okay, he already knows Juwan Winfrey, but you've got a couple of young wide receivers out there, specifically one in Romeo Dobbs, who you want to make sure gets as much live rep experience with Rodgers as possible. There's a possibly much different offensive line out there. We don't know what that rotation is going to look like. I can see it from both ways. I would probably lean with let the veteran sit. He doesn't need to get hit more than is necessary. I don't know. I I could really go both ways. I think you can also throw the Jordan Love part into this argument that, hey, he needs to get as many snaps as possible as he now goes into year three, which is crazy. You want to talk about time flying. Jordan Love is about to be a third-year NFL player. Where do you stand on the Rodgers preseason debate? Because I know this has been talked about by a lot of people over the last couple of years when Matt LaFleur said, yeah, he doesn't need to play. He He doesn't need to be out there. Where do you stand on it? Do you think with all these changes offensively, he does need to be out there this year? I kind of take it year by year. I would say like five plus years ago, I'd be very adamant because I want to see Aaron Rodgers selfishly just to see what it would look like, even if it was a drive or two. And I feel like we definitely got that back then. And all of a sudden the last few years, it's tapered off uh, based off of his injury history, based off of having Jordan Love or even having guys like uh, Brett Hundley's of the world, guys you want to see some reps out of. Maybe we can trade their their rear end and get some picks out of them. So at this point, I kind of fall really, really divided. And I guess the trump card to me is Jordan Love. Um, so I start divided with the fact that, like, yeah, you mentioned all these res- re- these young receivers, they got to get reps with them. That, that just is so important. And there's really no any receiver that I think is a home run threat or a player that's going to change a game completely that he has any sort of relationship with. Randall Cobb is not that player, in my opinion. Sammy Watkins possibly is. Uh, Alan Lazard, I think, is, has he's a damn good player. I love Alan Lazard, but he's not going to break open a game like maybe Christian Watson could, maybe Romeo Dobbs, as we've seen, even though that seems like a lot of praise for a rookie at this point. But at the end of the day, you have to understand that if you're going to not have Rodgers play in three games, previously four, there's going to be repercussions from that. Like, they have came out slow year after year. 
in certain games. Offense isn't clicking. Now, under the Matt LaFleur era, it's been a little bit – it's it's caught up a little bit faster than Mike McCarthy. I think Mike McCarthy area, we were getting to early October, and we would say, ah, no, nah, they'll, they'll get it figured out. They're going to figure it out. You know, and it's just – I hate to see a slow start, and I hate to see the the tempo that is just not there that chemistry that is just a smidge off because we know how these elite quarterbacks can can play. You mentioned a couple at the top of the show, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. They play with some sort of rhythm, some sync. And even Rogers mentioned that in his PMT thing today. He talked about that. Just, you know, sometimes he doesn't want to have motion. Sometimes he wants to be able to get into the right cadence. And to get into your right cadence, you kind of have to have control of the offense. And without knowing the certain skill sets or how a guy breaks out of a route, how a guy is going to react to certain coverage or physicality. And you haven't really seen that from under center or out of shotgun, regardless, like it's really, really tough to get that continuity together. So it's, it's, I'm, I'm okay with it not happening, especially if Jordan Love's going to get those reps. And he did suffer from that shoulder injury from last preseason, which again, put his, it made him regress once again, in my opinion, there was no progress from him. So I think no more Kurt Benker, Danny Etling apparently has been doing pretty well, but at the end of the day, let 10 just get back there. And if he takes, I don't know, there's 180 minutes of gameplay. Like if he takes half of that, 90 minutes, 120, I would be really, really okay with that in the preseason because why not? Like let's figure out what you truly have. There's still a lot of stuff that I even saw on family night or even you hear from these practices, he's still making these errors as far as forcing the ball, doing certain things that you want him to get away from, get him in the game speed and see if he can uh, adapt with that and let 12 sit on the sideline, do what he does and let Love just, uh, I guess, take as many snaps as possible. I think I've noticed over time that when I come up with an opinion on some of these controversial topics for football, it's, it's the preseason. Should your starting quarterback, should your starters period play in the preseason? I generally like to just deflect to the head coach of my favorite team, especially when they've had a great deal of success and just say, no, yeah, I, I agree with that matter. And when it's something like college basketball and it's should you follow when you're up three at the end of the game so they have to go to the free throw line they can't hit the three well my favorite team is the Kansas Jayhawks it's where I went to school it's where I still live and a team I still cover in my day-to-day life regularly I say okay well Bill Self has won two national championships he doesn't like to foul up three he likes to just play straight up defense so my stance for years Matt has been play defense it's a coward's decision to foul up three no you go out there and you play defense When it comes to football, I have in recent years sided with Matt LaFleur. Hey, coach doesn't want this group of starters to go out there and take extra hits and take the extra risk. I'm fine siding with that. I'm fine saying, no, I don't think these guys need to be out there. And I think that's where I'm going to lean this year as well. I can totally understand the desire to get some more live reps with Romeo Dobbs out there. If Christian Watson can eventually get on the field this preseason, same thing with him. Hey, you want live reps. You want to be able to get some of the timing down because I think it's important to know as much as I'm not in the doom and gloom camp with these wide receivers like some (laughs) Adam Rank national pundits are, I still believe that you could use to develop that timing. It's not going to be like Rodgers to Adams where they had that sixth sense, that ESP between the two of them, where they could connect without even doing anything more than a quick look, a quick wink at one another. I mean, that's just not how it's going to work with a lot of these young guys. Maybe Randall Cobb, maybe a little bit with Alan Lazard, but not with Dobbs, not with Samori Toure, not with a Christian Watson once he gets back out there. So I do think there's value in that, but I think there's probably just as much value in taking practice snaps. And that's been Lafleur's argument for the last couple of years, hasn't it been that, hey, 
they're getting plenty of snaps in practice time. They're seeing a thousand snaps in these environments. And while I can understand the counter to that as well, that, okay, well, what about a game situation where you're not in such a controlled environment? Isn't there value to that? Yes, I think there is. And I think there's certainly an argument and I'm not going to bash anyone if they say, no, I I want Rodgers out there for a full quarter in one of these games. I want to see it because I can understand the argument. I don't think I agree with it. And I still think I would just let him rest because he's Aaron freaking Rodgers. I I don't think he needs any of that. And he's getting reps with Dobbs, with Toure or with whoever else in these practices during camp. So I can see it from both ways. I still think I would lean no. And generally speaking, if you went up and asked, hey, Aaron Rodgers, do you think you need to take these snaps? And he said, oh, my God, of course not. Absolutely not. Do I not need to take these? Actually, he'd probably make some sarcastic comment as he said it. And he would give me a dirty look and then a wink, too, probably. I don't think he probably needs it. I don't think he wants it. And at this point, I'm willing to concede to that. That's fair. I totally agree. And I think one final thing I'm going to add is just we went through the depth chart of the offensive line. Not great. Like, you're missing a lot of studs out there to be able to block from. It doesn't take much for some – fifth round, sixth round pick that's got some athleticism out of, I don't know, the Mountain West Conference, for instance, possibly, to just come off the edge and absolutely blow someone up. So that's that's the last thing you need to have happen is for Rodgers to take something in the chops and just tweak it. And there's, there's no point in it. And I've got definitely, like I said, over the last five years, kind of gone more towards the middle, especially this year. Let Jeff Love take some snaps, but I would like to see Rodgers getting some sort of cadence with these younger receivers, but I guess ultimately that's what training camps for. And that's what walks walkthroughs will be for leading up to preseason games in week one. Well, you mentioned Jordan love and you uh-huh. mentioned him getting snaps and we pulled up the comment from our guy, Jacob Westendorf on the game on Wisconsin YouTuber. He says, I would play love every single snap in this preseason. And I think that brings up an important question here. And that is what's going on with Jordan love. What do we feel about Jordan Love at this point? On Monday this week, there were some tweets from some reporters. I know Ryan Wood, I think Matt Schneiderman, I think pretty much all the beat writers had a comment about it, that he did have a bad interception. He threw it to Chris Barnes, bad pick, underthrow, threw it right to the defender, really. But generally speaking, at least this is my anecdotal perception, Matt, we have seen a better, or at least have heard about a better Jordan Love during this training camp so far. And Matt LaFleur has made comments about that as well, that he looks like he is getting it a little bit more. And and I saw somebody say a week ago now that he's looking more like a professional quarterback at this point. And on one hand, ha ha ha. Okay. Wow. It took you three years to even look that good for a first round pick. What a disaster. Okay. I get it. But at the same time, he hasn't been asked to do anything. He didn't have a preseason at all. His first year, there wasn't really a real training camp his first year in the league because of COVID last year, he got banged up and last year was just such a mess for him this year. He's healthy. He is getting a full preseason. He's getting a full training camp. We've heard good things more so than the bad things so far. We knew love was going to be a project from the very beginning. What are your thoughts? What are your feelings about and in regard to Jordan Love at this point? Are you feeling a little bit better about him in a pinch? Hey, Rodgers is out for some reason. He gets hurt. Something happens. There's another pandemic. I don't know. Something that causes him to miss some time. Are you comfortable with Jordan Love stepping in with his familiarity with the system? Because it's the only system he knows in the NFL ranks. He's got great running backs. The offensive line's a question. But what are your thoughts about where the Packers are with Jordan Love? Should he play 90 plus percent of the snaps? Do you even need to see Danny Etling in this preseason? Because 
We know Danny Etling is nothing more than a practice squad body and a camp body at this point. It's all about what is Rodgers doing and what is Jordan Love doing, especially when it comes to the latter in training camp. Where do you stand on J-Lo right now? You know, my confidence has never been higher with him, but that doesn't really say a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> the bar was pretty the low. Bar was so the bar low. was pretty down low. The bar was so low. And it's just because there's there's days where he's flashed. Obviously, Matt LaFleur said he saw his best practice out of him ever this last week. So you have to take that with a lot of weight. But at the end of the day, he's still some, making some of the same mistakes. You know, some of the same things that you'd want him to get away from that he was still doing in college where he'd sling it deep for no reason. Uh, you mentioned the Barnes pick. I think he had another one th- today, actually, in a, a two-minute drill where he tried to get down and ended up uh, resulting in an interception in the red zone. And basically, the game would have been over at that point. I remember it was, a, it was, just, it was a defensive back. Regardless, I digress. Like, I just think you said 90% shoot. I would take that. I mean, half would be great. 75% would be great. Danny Antling. No disrespect to him, but he's been around the league quite a bit. I mean, he's definitely a practice squad guy. If he would have, you know, had an opportunity to be a backup or a starter, he would still be on a roster. And there's guys that fold around, but at the quarterback position, not so often. Um, so right now it's, it's, it's high, but let's let him, let's, uh, let's really see him come Friday and how he looks. I mean, he didn't look tremendous on this past Friday for family night, but at the end of the day, I think he's got an opportunity to prove some doubters wrong, myself included. I think he can stay healthy, make some plays, they rely on the run game a little bit. They got a stable of running backs in there right now. Let's see what he can do. But right now let's let's really, really see what you have. And at the worst case scenario, at least you're teasing him out there for 31 other teams and maybe trade for him at the end of this year or something. I, I don't know what the, the, the plan looks like going forward. But truly, like, get him as many reps as possible because there's – I don't think there's anything bad that can come from getting Jordan Love more reps than – I mean, I, I don't think there would be a bad thing if you got 100% of the reps. I don't see what would the negative would be at all. No, I'm with you on that. And I – again, no disrespect to Danny Etling. I mean, Danny Etling, for a guy who has never really been a – meaningful on field regular season snaps NFL player has gotten to experience some pretty damn good coaching in his career because now he's with Matt LaFleur and he's sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. He's been with the Patriots before. So he got at least something you would expect from Bill Belichick while he was in new England. He did have some level of success while he was in college. Now granted he played for less miles and I could tell you all sorts of things about my opinions on Les Miles at this point, but that's neither here nor there. That's for another podcast, probably for a different network. You don't need to see him. He, he's not going to factor in for this team in meaningful snaps, whether it's in the regular season or God forbid in the postseason. it's Jordan Love. And I, I would rather see Jordan Love out there throwing to Romeo Dobbs and throwing to Osiris Mitchell and Ishmael Hyman than I would rather see Danny Etling throwing to Juwan Winfrey at any point. Like that just doesn't do anything for me, but every single rep that Jordan Love gets, I think does carry some amount of weight. So I understand the argument that, hey, he should be out there for 100% of snaps. And I honestly would have absolutely no problem with that. And I'm with you that my confidence in love has gone up my bar was not quite as low as yours but it also wasn't you know through the roof it was somewhere in the middle but on the the lower end of that spectrum I can cop to that I think he can still be a good player I I think there's still probably some level of value for him on the trade market the name we've heard around the NFL is being someone's going to trade for him if there's an injury someone's going to trade for him it's been Jimmy Garoppolo because he's 
had success in the past. He's coming off of an injury, but he's been to NFC Championship games. He started and played in a Super Bowl not all that long ago. Now, granted, the fact that he missed a deep ball late in that game to Emmanuel Sanders is one of the reasons why the 49ers didn't win that Super Bowl, but that's neither here nor there. For a team that maybe needs an injury replacement, I think that would make a modicum of sense. What about Jordan Love? Why not take a chance on Jordan Love? If you're a team that knows you're probably not going anywhere, if your starter goes down, why wouldn't you take a chance on a guy like that? And I'm not trying to do Brian Gutekunst's work here or anything and try to, hey, here's a reason why you should go after Jordan Love. Let's trade him. Let's get a a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick, whatever. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying I can understand why there might be some value for him on the trade market and If he plays really well against San Francisco this weekend, if he plays really well in the second preseason game, if you have the game in Kansas City the third week of the preseason, he looks good and there's an injury, why wouldn't someone look at him for a mid-round pick, at least as an experimental thing? He's got two more years. He'll have fourth-year guaranteed, plus I assume his fifth-year option is probably going to get picked up because he's still something of a mystery, especially if he was with a different team. There's value to that, and I think there's value to keeping him in Green Bay as well, and that's that's the real difficult part about Aaron Rodgers' future is that if he committed to, hey, I've got three more years, and I'm going to get you through my age 41 year, I can get you to that point, and I know I'm going to play at least that long. Then if you're the Packers, you're probably more willing to say, okay, you know what? We should probably trade Jordan Love because it's going to be a long time. That's going to be a second contract at that point. If Rogers said, Hey, I can commit for another three years. We don't know that he can commit to that. And I don't think he knows at this point, if he can commit to that on the flip side, if there were conversations behind closed doors and you knew, Hey, Rogers has done it for this year, Super Bowl, no Super Bowl. He's done. He is retiring after this year. He is going to hang it up. I think you say, all right, we're keeping Jordan Love because he is going to be our starter next year. I would assume we're thinking longer term with Rodgers rather than shorter term, but we just don't know. And I don't really think Aaron Rodgers knows. And it's hard to know what 12 is thinking. And for all the good comes the downside of where is he going to be? Where is his head going to be this time next year? So you're kind of stuck playing this waiting game with Jordan love. I hope that if he does stick around and if he is still the long-term option, there is a bright future for him. I want there to be obviously because I care about the Packers success more than I care about. Oh man, I was right about Jordan love three years ago. I mean, that doesn't hold any value to me as I've said countless times, Matt, you've heard this over and over again. I would rather be wrong and have it turn out being good for the Packers than be right and have it be a bad thing. I'd rather be wrong every single time if that meant it was going to end up well for the Packers. So it's a tough situation. I really do hope for the best for Jordan love in his future. I just don't know what it's going to look like. And that's why there's so much value to getting him every single snap, or at least as many snaps as possible this preseason to either bump up his value for your team. So, you know, yes, we can trust him next year or in two years or whatever, or so, you know, some team in the AFC has a quarterback that gets hurt and you say, okay, well, Jordan love is yours. You you can have him for a fourth or a fifth or whatever. There's value to playing him. I just don't know what his value is going to look like for Green Bay, even if he's having the best practices of his life. It's just so hard to know because the quarterback situation is both nailed on, but also in flux at the same time. It's a weird kind of paradox. It's very strange. And truly, like, you're kind of hung out on on a plank, right? You're walking a plank and just waiting to see what Rodgers does. And if you were to get rid of Jordan Love, then you're in a real state of affairs because you thought you had a guy that you went up and traded up for 
and now you got rid of him for some you know, late round pick because you just wanted to, and all of a sudden Rodgers does a Rodgers thing, which you know he could he could flip on a dime at the end of this year and say it's just not he's not passionate for it. Do I see that coming? Potentially. I mean, but he's also balled out the last two years plus and won back to back MVPs and probably is primed for a third one possibly this year if these new cast of characters can pull it together for us. So yeah, I don't know where you're at with love overall, guys, but I think just truly like let him to see you get some reps because there's nothing nothing bad that's gonna come from that. Let's get you a real quick comment from the Game on Wisconsin YouTube from one of the internet's most eligible bachelors, Todd Varney, who adds in that the only way I'm okay with moving love this season is if we bring back the boat. That's Blake Bortles. I'd be okay popping Bortles if if that's the the backup quarterback option at some point. I mean, if it's Etling, okay, fine. I mean, cool for Danny Etling. That's a, a cool story for him. Make some cash. I don't know. If it, if it ends up being Bortles, hey, he's a pro. He's been around. He's been with some good coaches. He's been in the locker room. He knows a bunch of these dudes. If that's what it takes, then okay, sure, fine. I'm, I'd be okay with that. I I think there's a better chance that Jordan Love gets traded than he is ever the full-time starter in Green Bay at this point. And that's not a criticism of Jordan. It's really not. I just think we're probably more likely to get three years out of Aaron Rodgers now from now on than we are likely to get one year out of him. And if that's the case, that means you're going to get to a second contract for Jordan Love without him ever really playing a meaningful snap. And I just don't think that makes a whole lot of business sense. So while we're talking about Jordan Love playing a bunch of snaps, let's get to previewing this first week of the preseason, taking on San Francisco this weekend. Is there anything to you, Matt, that really stands out that outside of Jordan Love, because we really have covered that, but is there anything that you're hoping to see or expecting to see or really dying to see from this team against San Francisco? I saw uh, our good pal Sam, who is one of the hosts of Last Call Lambo, tweet out that, oh, there's going to be plenty of narrative if Jordan Love comes out and plays well in a preseason game against uh, San Francisco. But but on a serious note, is there anything you're really hoping to see out of this game? Or is it pretty much, I want to see Jordan Love take a bunch of snaps and I hope no one gets injured and that's it? You know, I, I have a lot of expectations for the first preseason game every year because it's just like there's all these new faces and all these new guys that were either drafted or brought in. And um, sometimes I'm let down by that because it's a little sloppy at times. The second half gets kind of out of whack. And some guys maybe you don't see get as many reps as you'd like. Now, I don't think that's going to be the case this year. Uh, but a couple of position groups I'm going to hit on that we already talked about really will be offensive line because most of these guys that are going to be there um are going to be starters like three out of five are definitely gonna be a starter there's there's no way about it and you could even make the case for four out of the five depending where you fall on the Bakhtiari Elton Jenkins thing or injury not a thing so that's going to be interesting to me uh second one will be special teams as we already hit on between whether Mason's Crosby's is healthy or if they have all you know five new faces out there doing their specialist work in Rick Passaccia's uh special team unit Really nothing too crazy on the rest of the offense for me because I think we've already seen flashes of what we're going to get from these young receivers. Um, and if family night or the training camp clips and stuff have been any sort of indication, I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. There's going to be a lot of guys that are fighting for reps, a lot of guys coming off you know, an injury or trying to revitalize their career in some sort of capacity. But the thing I'm really probably most you know secondarily to the offensive line, uh, which is boring, truthfully, is to be looking at the defense. Like, the defense has so many dudes that are so fast, physical, and just absolute athletes. Now, granted, Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, like, how many reps are they going to get as, you know, rookie dudes coming in? I would I would hope that – I would hope that Walker gets quite a bit because Devondre Campbell should take a seat quite early, if not right away. 
And I would really, really hope you get some of these young guys into the into the, into the fold. That that would really, really make me happy. And just to see what sort of edge pressure we get, it's really, really, a, a, it's it's kind of dealer's choice right now at the third spot. Ladarius Hamilton was having a game or a, a practice today. Apparently, he's now the third uh, or third outside linebacker behind, as we already said, Preston Smith and Rayshon Gary. But after that, I'm I'm really interested to see what guys can fill in on the right side. And then let's just kind of maybe I'm just going to be a little sarcastic here. Uh, see what the run defense looks like. You know, San Francisco 49ers have consistently run the ball down the Packers' throats. They're going to do that with whoever the hell they want to put in the under center or hand the ball off to them, rather. So hopefully they can stop the run with these uh, these gentlemen that you already mentioned that they've kind of bulked up on the interior, which is fascinating and really, really intriguing. I think the number one thing for me, because I'm with you on all those, you know, offensive line, you can only get so excited talking about it for some people, unless you're Brandon Thorne, I guess. But I'm excited to see that. I would love to see what the rookies can do. Zach Tom, Sean Ryan, what are those guys going to be able to do against some guys from other teams? I think there's a lot of questions for the defense and getting to see the backups because depth is going to be important. I mean, we love the starters for this defense. We love Kenny Clark and Jaron Reed and Dean Lowry and Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker. And you've got Stokes and Alexander uh, in the secondary. And you have to throw in the player whose name I am blanking on right now. Why can't I think of Rasul Douglas there? We already know that those guys are going to be contributors. Amos at safety. We know all of that. Darnell Savage too. But the depth is going to be obviously majorly important. And I want to see what some of those backup linebackers can do. I want to see what TJ Slayton can do against guys who are wearing a different color jersey going into his second year. What some of those guys in the secondary can do, whether it's Gafford, whether it's Gaines, some of those guys in the secondary. So I think all of those are valuable. I think there's a lot of value to checking out special teams. What is Jack Coco going to do when someone who's not wearing a Green Bay Packers helmet is breathing down his neck on a long snap for a field goal? I think all of these things have a level of value. For, in terms of entertainment purposes, I don't care who is out there for San Francisco. I don't care if it is second stringers, starters, third stringers, due to they just picked up off the roster of the Pittsburgh Maulers of the USFL. I don't care. One deep ball, the Romeo dubs, I'm sold. It's going to be pants off, naked, running through the streets, preaching about my Mountain West King, Romeo Dobbs. I don't care. That That's where I'm going to be. That is where I've already hitched my wagon for preseason excitement i'm sure there's someone else who's going to pop up and i'm going to say oh my god wow did you see chris barnes is absolutely a real player and that's actually going to mean something and he's going to be legit sure i'll jump on that bandwagon too because i'm a shameless homer and that's just who i am as a person romeo dobbs gets one 20 yard pass play through the air from jordan love it's going to be full nudity and i'm going to feel great about it and i'm going to tweet a ton to like the four people who actually read my tweets and it's going to be thrilling and Maybe that's going to change when we get to the regular season. Maybe when there's real starters out there and real slot corners and starting boundary guys, I'll feel differently. But I've already decided that's where I'm going to uh, get excited for this preseason. And by the way, Matt, while we're talking about wide receivers, well, while I'm talking about wide receivers anyway, because I know we're going to get to a quote-unquote pick and, and we'll get to our, our picks for this game and significant to some coming up here in a minute. I wanted to get to the wide receivers because I know – Everybody is talking about this. This is it's either oh my god, the Packers wide receivers are trash, or it's hey, they're not as bad as maybe you think they are. That's me. That I'm I'm the one saying that if no one else is. How many do you think are actually going to make the 53-man roster? Because I think there are a few that are nailed on at this point that we are certainly going to, you know, Randall Cobb is gonna make the team. Okay, he is going to be on this team. Alan Lazard, the rookies, at least the first two rookies that were drafted, they're going to make this team. But if you look 
at the guys who are currently listed on the Packers roster and under the wide receiver position, which of these guys do you think are actually going to make the 53-man roster? And I think there's a very interesting question about a handful of these guys. You know, Osiris Mitchell, I don't think is going to make this team. But is Samori Toure going to make this team? Is Jawan Winfrey going to make this team? I think six is probably going to be the number. Seven seems like a lot, but I think there's an argument for at least seven guys. So who do you think, or if not the exact names, what do you think the magic number is going to be for these wide receivers this year? I'm so stupid because every year I always pick one more than they get. I'm going to do it again this year. I'm going to say seven. And I'm going to convince myself of it into eternity just based off the fact that they got to get these other guys reps. Christian Watson's been out for a little bit. You don't have Devontae Adams, and you feel strongly about these other dudes that you you brought in. Sammy Watkins, he's more than likely not going to get cut at this point. He's made some progress the last week, which is fantastic. Romeo Dubs, Samari Toure. Now, Toure seemed like a lock before training camp started, right? He was the Rick, Rich Passaccia darling that he was plucked to come return kicks for him. And as we just looked at, we broke down the depth chart, he's not currently even slotted anywhere on the punt return kick return situation. So a little bit outside looking in maybe for Toure, but I look at it this way. I'm going to rattle them off quickly. And if you, you're, you're watching or listening, keep track at home on your fingers and take off your socks, uh, Todd, if you need to count any further. So number one, Randall Cobb. Number two, Alan Lazard. Number three, Sammy Watkins. Number four, Christian uh, Watson. That's I think those are absolute locks. Amari Rogers, definitely lock. Romeo Dubs, duh, at this point. And then it's a coin flip for me. I think Danny Davis is going to be a hell of a uh, practice squad dude. I think Osiris Mitchell has flashed a little bit in the last week, him being on the team. That's fantastic. Malik Taylor, how many times could you be on, you know, kind of a sleeper or on the bubble until you're just gone? And then it really comes down to, for me, is Jawan Winfrey and Samari Toure. Both kind of special teams aces. Winfrey a little bit more of a physical freak. Uh, Samari Toure a little more of a straight line runner. Both can contribute to special teams in different ways even. Um, so that's the kind of way, that's that's how I assess it at this point. So I'm going to say seven, the final spot, Toure and Winfrey battle it over. I have no idea who that'll be. Hopefully my math worked out and everyone at home either agrees with me or disagrees with me, but that's kind of how I see it right now. They're going to finish with seven um, Toronto to the 53. I feel like I keep trying to talk myself out of seven, but I Mm -hmm. think that makes a lot of sense, especially when you consider the fact that there's a lot of unproven guys here. Why not take another, you know, get as many bites at the apple as you can get as many lottery tickets. I can torture this metaphor as much as you want. Why not try to get as many opportunities to find a, a legitimate piece as possible? So if we're going alphabetically here, I'd say Cobb is a lock. That's one. Davis, I think, ends up being a practice squad guy. Romeo Dobbs, duh. Hyman, I'm going to say that's a cut there. Lazard is an obvious one. I think Mitchell probably ends up getting cut. Maybe one of those last two cuts I had in there ends up as a practice squad guy too. Rodgers for sure is going to make the team, I think. Taylor, he's been a special team standout. The special teams has also been trash. So I don't really know how much value there is there for him. I think there's a real argument for Toure. You spend a draft pick on him instead of trying to get him as a free agent, so they obviously value him to a degree. I think Watkins is going to end up making this team, and I think Watson is certainly going to end up making this team. And I'll say Winfrey gets cut or ends up on the practice squad as well. So for me, that's seven there too. If Watson maybe ends up on the pup to start out this season, he misses a few weeks while he's dealing with this injury, I think that is certainly possible. 
that would honestly or obviously make it a little easier to just say, hey, we're going to stick with six and then our seventh is on pup. We'll figure it out later on. I don't know. I, I feel like seven is a lot to keep, but by the same token, you want to get as many lottery tickets as possible. You want to try as many different guys. Maybe Winfrey ends up blowing up this year and he's a real player. Maybe Toure is the guy that you thought maybe he could be. That's why you spent that flyer seventh round pick on him. I'm going to lean with seven right now. Maybe the preseason first couple of games changes that a little bit. The practices with New Orleans, maybe that makes us feel a little different, but I'm with you. I think seven's the number right now. Maybe that's too many, but I'll stick with it. We are almost out of time here, Matt. We've got plenty more wide receiver discussion we're going to have throughout training camp, but let's get to our final segment of the day. That is significant to some. We've got a player prop and we've got our game pick. We'll start with the player prop here. Wide receiver-wise, we talked about Aaron Rodgers and passing touchdowns and passing yards last week. I've got a wide receiver prop for you, and it's for Alan Lazard, who is probably wide receiver one technically going into the year. We talked about that a little bit on last week's show. The over-under for him, and I saw this from a couple different sources, five and a half touchdown receptions this year for Alan Lazard. I think that's actually a pretty decent number. So over-under five and a half for the Lizard King. What do you see for touchdown receptions this year? Damn good number. And now last week going back, remember, I think it was the the touchdowns you and I were both on. How did that fall? I think we, we both went over with we went, the touchdown yep. passes and under with the yardage. You got it. And it was it was a, a smash on the over for the touchdown passes. And then the yards, you and I both were like, as you said, it was like, ooh, that's a good number. That's how I reacted to the five and a half. Now, based off of his career with the Packers, he had eight touchdowns last year. Eight seems like a pretty good number for Alan Lazard to consistently get on a year-to-year basis. I just – five and a half seems like a ton. Now, granted, there's a, a lot more um, touchdowns to go around, a lot more targets to be had. But there's also other models to feed. I feel like eight of those touchdowns are more red zone touchdowns as well. Only did it on 500 uh, yards, only 50, 40 grabs too. So it's like one touchdown for every five grabs. That's kind of a crazy ratio. Not, not normal is going to happen. I'm going to say – I'm going to say over. And I almost convinced myself to be the under. I just don't know how much Rogers is going to be able to rely on the Sammy Watkins, the, uh, the Christian Watsons, the Romeo Dobbs, the potential Samari Toure. Like, it's just like, how are we going to really get those guys? I mean, early on, you would think Lazard is just going to get targeted, 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 just because he knows the offense better. And he's got more sync with Rogers. And between him and Cobb, they're going to kind of set the tone and I think Sammy Watkins will get in the mix early on too and maybe Dobson. But it's just going to be – I think he's just going to get so many early touchdowns and just be a reliable source when it comes to the red zone um, and the way he runs those RPOs and can block. I'm going to go over, but that's a really good number, five and a half. If I had to predict, I'm going to say six. I'm going to say just a slight over just with all the other miles to feed. Granted, he should get more reps, but kind of a little outlier with that one-to-five ratio from last year. You mentioned something that I wanted to build on too is that I think – the veterans are going to be the more targeted guys in the red zone. If I had to guess, like I mm-hmm. think Lazard and Cobb might be your top two in, in terms of guys just listed as wide receivers, your top two options. When you get to the red zone, I also do think that the running backs are going to have huge years when you get into the red area or the gold zone, if you will. I think Aaron Jones might have multiple touchdown catches AJ Dillon too. Once you get down near the goal line, I think when you look at Dobbs, when Watson eventually gets on the field, Toure, if he makes the team as well, I think between the 20s, you might be relying on those guys to be big play options or reliable 
options on second down, third down, hell, first down, whatever it might end up being. I think there's going to be a lot of trust in the older guys once you get down to the red zone. So I think that's where Cobb and Lazard maybe have some value on the over for their total for touchdown receptions. I'm with you. I don't know if it'll be many more than six, but I do think he'll at least get to six this year. And hey, if he really wants to be a quote-unquote number one, because there's a big contract potentially in Alan Lazard's future after this year, getting a handful of touchdowns this year is going to be key. So I'm with you. I'll take the over. I think there's going to be a lot of different guys contributing this year, but I think the veterans are going to be the ones who get relied upon on the goal line. So that brings us to our final pick for the show because we're almost out of time here. Matt, let's get a preseason pick. Uh, For those who have been around now for two years of the final dump, last year we tried to come up with the most bizarre off-the-wall picks possible for final scores for preseason games because it's fake football. (laughs) This is significant to some. It is our betting wagering segment. So I will give you the same thing I say every week. Please, for the love of God, Yahweh, whoever or whatever you believe in, if you believe in anything, please do not bet on preseason football games. Please, I am begging you, do not do it. If I won't even do it, I am pleading with you to please not also do it. So with that, the spread is one and a half in favor of the 49ers. Matt, do you have a pick for this week? I'll just take the Packers. I mean, it's it's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny that like I've thought about it time and time again to bet on the preseason game and then I get through like a first week and I'm like I what I mean what are we really talking about here we're looking to see if like some random Joe quarterback or some dude like it's just like you're basically just trying to see and then and truthfully if you're even vested in a game like that it is just an absolute slobber knocker of just like stupidity that to even have 60 minutes of football to watch that and painfully try to bet the over on like some stupid line that's like 37 or 38 points with backups it's just it's an absolute, like, I'm looking at, like, Jets-Browns. Like, can you imagine betting on Jets-Browns in Cleveland? Like, I would just freak out. There's just no way I could handle that. So, I'm going to go with the Packers. One and a half, sure, let them cover. It'll, they'll, yeah, I don't even know. Mason Crosby will run in for a late second field goal, even though he's been banged up and he's barely on the active roster. Who, who knows? But I think, at the end of the day, I'm going to pick the Packers just because I like Jordan Love. Granted, Jimmy Garoppolo is a pretty good quarterback, uh, depending on his injury status. I think he's been in better health from recent days and recent weeks, but maybe they'll preserve him a little bit more, or maybe they'll try to highlight him. That'll be something that it's definitely – I mean, I think that'll be the two narratives going into the game. How much are these backups going to play to, A, for Jordan Love, potentially take over a team down the road, and also, B, for both of them, potential trade bait. But I'll take the Packers with uh, to cover, I suppose. As you said earlier today, Matt, degenerate is not a slur on the final dump. We are the friend of the degenerate. I still cannot possibly condone betting on preseason football. Give me Packers 25, 49ers 19, Romeo Dobbs, three catches for 64 yards. Uh, We get completely nude and the final dump ends up in the top 1% on OnlyFans next week. That is going to do it, though, for this week on the final dump. Thank you so much for joining us for this jam-packed show. Enjoy week one of the preseason, Matt. Uh, football's back not like totally real football but football's back nonetheless and might as well enjoy it because it always comes and goes way too quickly yeah i feel really really i don't know if i should feel happy for your wife or disappointed with her with all the uh nudity that is being projected on your neighborhood in your house but i mean you know i'll let the i'll let her, let her decide but ultimately if there's a packer win i think anyone should be able to uh gallivant as as they please 
she knows how I feel about the Packers. It, it, it's she she knew what she was getting into from the very beginning. For Matt Freilich, I'm Brendan Dorzinski. This has been the final dump. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt underscore FRA underscore. I'm on Twitter as well at Brendan DZW. And of course, follow Game on Wisconsin, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Check us all out. The podcast will be out live Tuesday morning going into next week. Enjoy the first week of Packers preseason football, and we will join you coming up on Monday next week. We will recap all of it, get you more from the best of training camp. That's coming up on next week's edition of Final Dump. Well, Wayne, I think this is one that Vince Lombardi and George Hallis would be proud of. You could have given me a touchdown. That is hard to overturn, you know what I mean? I understand That's that. That was a good effort, though, wasn't it? Yeah, but- pretty good effort.